0: How did I get right here today? How how did Ryan Brooks get asked to come up here and talk to you people? Because some of you don't know me, but some of you do. And for those of you that do know me, uh, my life was a wreck 10 years ago, an absolute wreck. Um, I was battling the demons and strongholds of alcohol, It was controlling my life, it was ruining my marriage, Um, but I got to a point where I I didn't have anywhere else to turn, and all I could do was turn to God, and if you could uh, put up the Psalms 40, I'm going to read a little bit of Psalms 40, because what happened to me was a little bit different than what's happened to a lot of people, and I see a lot of great people in this church that are glorifying God's kingdom. I look at Rob Estes and what he does and what he's been through and Monica it, and, you know, and, and I look at myself and go, man, I'm just not deserving, you know, but for whatever reason, God heard my cry and, um, I'm going to, I'm going to read something. And this is in Psalms 40, but when I first started coming back to church and, I had to seek God first. I didn't, I didn't know a lot about Scripture. I have to use my little Bible app because I didn't know where, you know, I knew about, you know, Genesis. I knew that was the first chapter of the Bible. And I knew Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. That's about where it stopped. I didn't know God. I knew God was in heaven, and that's where he was, and I was here on earth. But I did not realize the authority that the Holy Spirit had here on earth. I didn't realize how he could change and heal. I didn't understand the healing power of prayer, of what the church was and what it meant for us. You know, we we hear Joanne up here, and she's talking about the unity of the church and what that means. And I see that now, and I didn't see that then. And, and, and it's just all to glorify his kingdom because none of this stuff's ours anyway, you know. And I look back, and my problems weren't my problems. They were God's problems. Until I learned to, to surrender to his will, he wasn't going to take them from me. They were his to start with, but I wanted to hold on to them. So, um... I'm going to read a little bit about Psalms 40. I was going to read the whole thing. My wife was like, you yeah, know, this is a little bit long. You may not want to do that. And speaking of it being a little bit long, I'm kind of in a good, unique situation because I get to go first. So if I speak too long, my brother Adam is going to be the one that makes y'all run over. And if I, if I don't talk enough, he's got to fill in all the gaps. So I'm kind of in a win-win situation here. But anyway, th- this is Psalms 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a new hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put trust in the Lord. Uh... This is, this is verse 4 here, which I left off from uh, when I told um, Joanne, but I think this is important too. Um, many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done for me, the things you have planned for us. No one can recount them. To you, where I speak and tell them, there will be too many to declare. And if you move on over to verse 12, for my troubles... Without numbers surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head. I read Psalms 40, and I relate that to my life and to what happened. You know, I, didn't, I wasn't seeking the Lord until I had to surrender. And I had nowhere else to turn. But the Lord heard me cry, and the Lord lifted me out of that pit. And he stuck me up here today so that I can glorify his kingdom. And I look back on all the things that have unfolded since I've tried to be obedient to God and what he is asking me to do. And I, I look back in, in 1993 when I first met my wife Alexis. God was putting her in my life for a specific reason. She, she had a uncle that she's very close to who had battled some of the same demons I had battled. And had I had met another person, I truly believed that my marriage would not have lasted. But but he talked to her and he spoke to her and he said, uh, Lexus, hang in there with him. Hang in there with him. And she did. And see, what I realized was God was doing for me what I could not do for myself. And... Things are not in coincidence to me anymore, you know. God, God's plans for all of us are very different, and they're very hard for us to understand. But I now I have a deep, found faith that He was doing all these little things along my life. He was letting me go into places I shouldn't have gone and experience things I shouldn't have experienced, so that coming out on the other end of it. I could be reaffirmed in, in what his glory is. Um, you know, it says here that the, the, sins, the sins are more than on my head. Well, that's how, that's how I was, you know. And it's, it's one of those things that I still battle today, you know. I was fortunate enough to, to have my wife stick with me through this. I was fortunate enough to have a, a dad who went before me and showed me a way to live that I did not know. I get overwhelmed by it. You know, the Holy Spirit just... It's hard for me to put into words the gratitude I have today and what this church here has meant to me. You know, and when I say this church, the, the people here in this church, you know, that... It came to me, Rob Brass, Rob Estes, Walt Arnold. The name goes on and on and on. And said, hey, Ryan, why don't you come to Iron Man in the morning? Mark Miller, you know. And I go to Iron Man. I start listening to what these people are telling me. But it wasn't until I cried out to God and said, God, help me. I, don't, I do not know what to do. I do not know where to go. I do not know where to turn. My life is over, you know. Rob Brass and I were talking about this earlier today. You know, God's got a way of making you surrender. You know, he can twist your arm in a way to where you're going to say uncle. You know, it's just a matter of how, 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 how deep do you want that pain to get? You know, when, did, when is it that you want to get off the elevator? You know, I thought I was in the penthouse. You know, I was self-seeking, self-serving, you know, and it was easy. You know, being a Christian and being a follower of Christ is not hard. The, The longer my walk is, the harder it becomes for me because of the responsibilities and the burdens that I carry. But at the same time, it also glorifies his kingdom, which is a reward that I cannot put into words. And my hope is that that, you know, somebody up here will hear this message today and say, you know what? Ryan, i got a loved one or I've got a friend or I myself, and I'm struggling with one of these strongholds that you speak of. Reach out to someone here in this church. That's what builds the body of this church for us to carry each other's burdens. And, you know, we, we sit up here and we talk about unity of the church. You know, it's... Um, it's kind of like playing football, you know, it's real, you know. It's real easy to sit on the sideline and watch the game, you know. But when you get out there in the game and you have to start cracking heads, that's when it gets tough. I mean, it does. It's tough, you know. And so, and so I ask that you, you know, pray about that. Pray about the who are those people that are not here with us today in this congregation, in this body of Christ, in this church, how can we get them from out there to come in here? Because it's been my experience that I've helped several people get sober in their lives. Several, several people. And that and that's great. And, 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 and I get an overwhelming feeling from that. But as I've gone on this journey, you know, I, I got asked to do a small group. And I look at that small group and me being asked to do that kind of the same way as how Alexis was put in my life. It's all part of God's plans because I get to see people that have gone off to Brazil on this mission trip that they've gone on, David and Denise Johnston, Julie Lee, and they're in our small group, and I see them come back, and I see the look in their eye when they get back, and I'm like, I want what they have. You know, and, and, and when I see people that are struggling with strongholds, and it doesn't matter what it is, you know, for me it may have been alcohol. Somebody it could be shopping. It could be It could be drugs. It could be, could be exercise, it could be eating, you know, what is it that we're battling and how can we get those people and love them and, 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 and bring them to the glory of God's kingdom, you know, because if it worked for me, it'll work for them. Um, and that's my prayer for today, you know, when I come up here, it's, you know, what, what can I do to, to give to someone else what I have received? and so I get, I get to see these things and that gift I give to I can share of sobriety with some other people is, is magnificent but when I got back from Brazil I was changed because being able to give someone the gift of the Holy Spirit and what that means and, and, and understanding that power that manifests itself here in God's kingdom it it just blows me away I mean, that's that's really the only way I can I can describe it is it's a uh, being able to share that with another human being is probably one of the most well anyway, I, I can say it's not one it is the most the most overwhelming glorifying feeling that you can have it makes all the pain in the world go away whatever worry or care or fear you may have. Being able to share the the glory of God's kingdom and what it can do for another person is uh, it makes all that go away, you know. And how do we how do we maintain that? How do we how do we on a daily basis seek it and, and, and find it and hold on to it because it's tough, you know and and I think it's it's probably tougher for some people that hadn't had to go through what I had to go through. you know there's people in their lives going about they come in here every day and they worship God, and then all of a sudden bam out of the blue something happens to them For me, I wasn't doing that i I didn't have anywhere else to turn you know i was I was stuck, but how do we do that? How do we seek him and, and stay in his will on a daily basis i'm uh I'm grateful to be up here I am and I'm grateful that God has done the things for me in my life that have uh, allowed me to help glorify His kingdom. Because it's not it's not me, you know. I tried to turn my life around many times, you know. I'm like, yeah, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I feel bad. I ain't gonna do that anymore. But then I do it again and again and again. It wasn't until I asked God for His help that that my life changed. Adam, and what, one more thing about Adam is I got to, I got to experience Brazil with Adam and his, his two daughters. And I tell you what, man, he's a, I, just, it's there's a love that, that goes on when you start sharing the body of Christ with people that just cannot be described. Don't run over. We might run over, but that's all right.
1: So if you would, I'd like to, uh, for all of us to to read, we're going to read Jeremiah 1.5, followed right by 21, uh, verses 11 through 13. So stand and uh, read with me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Please be seated. Revelation 12.9 refers to Satan as the deceiver of, of all the world. And as we have just read this passage That's his ultimate goal, is to see that that we don't become everything that God has in plan for us, that we never experience that pure joy and grace that comes only through God. And to also prevent us from being effective at at being a servant in God's kingdom and expanding his kingdom. And so sitting up here, or sitting down here rather, and listening to uh, my brother in Christ, Ryan, uh, my friend, my roommate in Brazil, as he said, um... Listening to how, through Christ, he conquered that deception is just it's just awesome, and uh, I'm uh, just excited and, and looking at what he's doing in his life now. I know that it just makes the devil just <laughs> just up late at night. Um, you know, I want to start off by saying you know how grateful I am to God uh, first for this opportunity to, to share with you. I'll, I'll say that me being up here in front of you is Testament that God is still performing miracles in people's lives. And, uh, you know, we all have a story. Uh, every one of us is a little different from somebody else's. And when we tell that story to someone else, then we're giving that honor to, to God. And so I'm grateful that He gave me this opportunity. Uh, but everything that I say, uh, all the glory and the honor goes to Him. Uh, so, That deception that I was referring to from from Satan, it actually started very early in my life, uh, and it actually kind of started and somewhat centered around church environments. I was raised in the church. My mother was a church organist. I remember as a child loving church, all the environments at Sunday school and that feeling of security and comfort and love that was there. I was baptized when I was seven years old, and by the time I was eight years old, my parents got a divorce. And at that time, my, my mother was asked by the church leadership to step down because she was a divorced woman and that that was something that they didn't want to, to have in a leadership role for the church. Uh, and that hurt my mother. Uh, being divorced, we, you know, she counted on some of that income, and so we had to look for another church. My father had been the one that was in, unfaithful, uh, but my mother kind of shouldered a lot of the talk and gossip that occurred in the church. And And uh, I always kind of remembered that, and so as we moved around, and she moved to a a Baptist church, and later to a Presbyterian church, and it was always kind of looking for that ministry of music position to to help the income. Uh, So I grew up going to church, attending church, but I really didn't know what it was to be the church. And, uh, you know, over that time I developed a lot of the head knowledge, but, but very little, if any, of the heart knowledge of what it means to follow Christ. And uh, something else I want to point out, and it's not to point blame at my family because they love me, but as I was growing up, uh, their values and things were always set on achievements. They were always set on, you know, the best education you can get, how good you can be at this sport or this thing that you're doing, telling me how great I was. And, you know, that feels good to hear. But by the time I got to college, you know, I thought I could do no wrong. My arrogance had reached a level that... uh, you know, it was pretty pretty sickening. I had gotten into the mindset of thinking that anything I wanted to do, I could just about justify. I got all into the, the party scene at college and alcohol and all the types of uh, pleasures of the flesh. And, uh, you know, looking back, I think so much of that deception started from that enabling, that mindset from an early age that had just started to run amok. When I was 22, I married Michelle and I can look back and say that God was really rescuing me for myself by putting her in my life. When I was 23, Olivia was born and I remember holding her and feeling this just love and admiration for this beautiful healthy daughter. But still my own selfish desires was wanting to hang out with my friends wanting to do so many of the things that i had been doing all along in college and I actually would even resent Michelle for for wanting to to be at home, to be a husband, to be a father. All the things that I should have known, I should have been instilled inside me. And so as time went on, I went into a, a graduate program and ultimately went into the Army as a Medical Service Corps officer. And during those years, I focused primarily on that next rank, that next professional achievement, you know, always looking for the glory in something that was personally acquired. Never was happy, never was satisfied. Was always thinking, Well, I get to that next step and that, that'll make me happy. That's when things will turn around for us. You know, Michelle mentioned last night she remembers all the self help books I got, psychology books and all of those things which you think about, you know, what, what's the, the the center of that? It's self. It's not God. You know, I didn't ever look at the God Help book. And uh, so as time went on, you know, we had two more beautiful children, Elizabeth and and Emily. And again, I'd been blessed with healthy children that were so, so much love. And and still, my priorities were so out of whack. I was gone most of the time in the field, deployed, leaving Michelle to kind of hold the, the bag and hold down the fort. And in 2004, we moved back to to Atlanta. I got a job with the CDC. It was a transfer. Again, it was kind of a, a big thing from the military to CDC and a, uh, professional advancement. And shortly thereafter, as I started contemplating my life and being unhappy, I started looking at the grass as being greener here and there and everywhere else. I started contemplating that I needed a divorce. That, that this just wasn't the relationship, the marriage that I wanted it to be was always passing that blame on somebody else. And for the next five or so years we would kind of ebb and flow between going through the motions and me literally just being as reckless as I could be, breaking almost every promise I'd ever made to my wife, breaking my marriage vows, hurting my children, all in this selfish ambition that something else better was right around the corner. And during that time, when I would just almost bring our whole family to just the brink of disaster, Michelle continued to persevere. She continued to pray. She continued to to believe. She kept her children in church. She tried to drag me along every time that she could if I wasn't kicking and screaming. And I remember even mocking her at times that, you know, you pray and you expect God to answer this specific prayer. But she kept praying. And on April 26, 2013, not that long ago, if you think about it, I was driving home. I'd been in a work environment, another professional shindig where everybody's drinking and having a good time. And once again, I'm thinking, I'm in control, you know. And I'm driving home, and I get pulled over. And even at that time, I thought, well, I'll I'll get out of this. You know, I'll talk my way out of that. Uh, But he saw it differently, and uh, I was arrested for a DUI. And as I'm sitting there in that jail cell, and the weight of the world comes crashing down on me, I mean, if any of you guys are military, you know what a DUI conviction would mean to a military career. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about the stupidity of my choices in in life. I'm thinking about, this could be the straw that broke the camel's back with Michelle. Because I know she... Considered throwing in the towel. I mean, she's got faith, but, I mean, there's a limit. (laughs) And uh, as I'm in there, I I did the one thing that I only knew left to do, and that was to pray. You see, that seed had been planted, and God had been pursuing me and blessing me all of those years when I was so blind to even recognize it. You know, you hear Ryan up here talk and my talk, and one of the similarities is that everybody else can see that you're just, you're a wreck. You can't see it. You think you've got it all together. And so I'm there in that cell realizing I've got nowhere else to turn, and I began to pray. I prayed harder than I've ever prayed in my life. I was down on my knees for hours, just crying. And during that time, when I had this whole feeling of just overwhelming dread, suddenly I felt this peace just to start to rain down on me. And during that peace, I clearly heard God's voice say, if you honor me, I will take care of you. I want to read from Luke chapter 15, verses 17 through 20. And this this is picking up in the, the story of the prodigal or the lost son. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. You know, I didn't expect that kind of an immediate rescue. But it happened. It happened almost immediately in that cell. And I wish I had time to tell you all of the miracles that just happened in the days following that, ultimately leading up to all charges being dropped, making friends with the arresting police officer. I mean, you had people entering my life praying for me that I had never even known before. And I made up my mind from this day forward one, I'm never going to touch a sip of alcohol again because it was throughout, it was a, a piece of the bad decisions I made. But number two, I will honor, I will serve, I will look for you in my life every single day. You just show me that opportunity and I will say yes following sunday i was at church and I, I went down to the altar and my daughter olivia had been asking me to go to guatemala on a mission trip and, and i had kind of shied away from it said no nah, i'm not that's out of my element and uh, after i had been down at the altar melanie reeves came up to me and she asked me would you consider being a chaperone in guatemala I said amen let's go and uh I wound up going to Guatemala, and then again, I wish I could tell you how wonderful that trip was the time I spent with my daughter, and all of the things that God showed me. But another piece that, of this puzzle was I roomed with Kevin Daniel. And Kevin shared with me, and he didn't even realize where I, you know, literally weeks ago I'd been out of this jail cell. And uh, he started talking to me about Christian service. He talked to me about, you know, things like Walk to Emmaus. You he heard Ryan talk about Iron Man, a group that. Rob Brass and Mark Miller do here in uh, in the community on Wednesday mornings. Uh, other service Brazil mission trip that we talked about, and and so on and so forth. And I said, you know, I'm going to get involved in every single thing that I can. I'm going to continue to look for God. I'm reading my Bible every single day, and it's it's true. God has absolutely honored that. You know, the other piece of all of this is the renewal and just rebirth of my marriage and my family it is like the like Paul where the scales fell off his eyes to be just suddenly realized the blessing that I had been just oblivious to that was all around me came crashing down I cried for months just everything I could do to try to somehow make it up to them for the things that I had missed for so long the last passage I want to read quickly is from John twelve twenty four through 26. This is Jesus talking. He says, I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it can only be a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their lives will lose them, and those who hate their lives in this world will keep them forever. Whoever serves me must follow me. Wherever I am, there my servant will also be. My father will honor whoever serves me. Now, I died in that jail cell. And I was reborn in that jail cell. And from that day until the day I die, that is my life. And just like that, that was revealed to me in that jail cell, where he said, if you honor me, I will take care of you. I've been living for him every day since. And the things that he has shown me during that time and the things he's allowed me to do I would have never even thought possible. In Matthew, just in closing, in Matthew 5, uh, verses 13 through 15, Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth, that you are the light of this world, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Now, that is our calling. That is our calling, this story, that that somebody that you might run into will notice something that's different about you and say, what is different about you? And you can just simply look at them and in all honesty and integrity say, it's simple, it's Jesus Christ, it's Jesus in my life. I thank you for uh, this time and this opportunity.